everyone ashiya your host and i welcome you all on demystifying linkedin from today's episode you are going to experience a new element in demystifying linkedin yes i am adding something new till last episode you used to hear only me sharing with you the benefits of linkedin the tips about linkedin the methods to leverage it there were my experiences then i thought since linkedin networking branding all these things is about community only so why don't i invite other members of linkedin community to share their experiences so that you can get more tips to demystify linkedin there are many people on linkedin who have changed their lives for good through linkedin only oh yes there are many people not just me so from this episode we will meet such amazing people for at least once in a month today we have sufit on the show as our first guest of demystifying linkedin she is an author of award winning book step into the spotlight a guide to getting noticed she is a business coach a keynote speaker a former litigation lawyer a former actress singer and comedian she has been featured on forbes has been interviewed on various radio shows and media houses she is very well known and she has created one of the most engaging linkedin groups named as step into the spotlight yes she is a community builder as well a starburst of energy bright bubbly and upbeat a coaching dynamo that's how media describe her mind blowing isn't it so Without any further ado, let's begin with episode 16 of Demystifying LinkedIn to know more about Sufit. Hi Sufit, welcome on Demystifying LinkedIn. Happy to have Hi, you yes. as the first guest of Demystifying LinkedIn, Sufit. So, uh, let's begin with the one of my favorite questions which i ask people very often who is sufit according to sufit <laughs> oh wow you know ashi i have done i don't know hundreds but many 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 um podcasts and radio interviews and nobody has ever asked me that um and you know it's interesting because um who is sufit according to sufit Um you know what I don't think why I am according to me is that relevant for other people because I think what's relevant for other people is how I am that's relevant for them for me I just define myself as a good person I or at least that's what I aspire to be a good person a good mother um you know a good mm-hmm. friend uh maybe maybe a teacher I guess but uh or mentor but I don't really to find myself in that way i mean part of it is to let other people define me according to their needs okay okay that reason why i asked this question is because you know uh, people define us in their ways but we we know ourselves better than others so there is something in our mind always like the way we define ourselves so that's why i asked you this question but uh, very well uh this is also good that the people depending on the different context define you so yeah you no know, uh, i'll sorry i'll answer i'll answer your question um there's an expression um i don't know if it's hebrew or yiddish but it says a mensch right which means okay. like a man or a person and um it's actually a compliment to say about a person you know he's a mensch and that's i i just want to be a person do you know what i mean like a real 
person, a relatable person. That that that's. I mean, in business, you know, I have lots of ways to define myself, and you know, you know, I'm a coach who helps people get noticed, get seen, get heard, get noticed, get known. I mean, there are lots of ways that I brand myself in business. Um, but the way you asked the question kind of went beyond business, so that's that's what I aspire to be is just a good person. Beautiful, beautiful, amazing. So uh, let's move on to the next question. So uh, you have this book, stepping into the spotlight, right? And uh, you know the name of this book intrigued me so much, especially the tagline which says uh, "getting noticed." So why I find this phrase is intriguing because uh, in personal branding domain, I come across many people who say and believe that there shouldn't be any deliberate attempt to get noticed, right? Like uh, there shouldn't be any deliberate attempt to highlight my work, let my work speak for myself. So you know this is a favorite kind of quote for uh, people like who think in this way. So what do you think? How do you define getting noticed? Is it about showing off or is it uh, being natural? What is it? Um, okay, so that's a really good question. The, the the name of the book is actually "Step into the Spotlight: A Guide mm -hmm. to Getting Noticed." Okay, which by the way, your re your listeners can find if you go to www.spotlightbook.com. Spotlightbook.com. That will take you to Amazon where you can look at the book that Ashi is referring to. Now, um, in the beginning of the book, Ashi, I address exactly what you're talking about. And actually, you know what? Because you asked me this question, mm -hmm. I'm going to read you the first page of the book. Because awesome. it says, it, it addresses exactly your question. It says, okay. this is the introduction on page one. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of making this book available in a plain brown wrapper. Or maybe giving it a fake book jacket with the title, Migratory Patterns of Birds. Because truth be known, most people would rather be caught buying a porno flick than a book like this. Or a book I saw recently at a bookstore called Bragg. It's crass and embarrassing to self-promote, to toot your own horn, to seek fame and attention, isn't it? Yeah. People are people are shy not only about actually stepping into the spotlight, but even about admitting that they want to. Maybe it's time for a new perspective on this. If you ask most people why they're doing what they're doing, some will admit that they want to become multi-gazillionaires, but most will just say, I just want to help people. I just want to make a difference. But how are you ever going to reach the people you want to help if they've never heard of you? if they don't know you exist. And then I quote this advertising guru, his name is David Ogilvie, and he said, you can't save souls in an empty church. It's not crass to want to attract enough clients to earn a living or to have the life you want. It's not shallow to make a name for yourself so that the people who need your help can find you. Once you've stepped into the spotlight, you can go out and help others do the same. So that's what I say on page one of the book. And, I, and to answer your question a little more directly, um, Ashley, and this is not something I made up, but a lot of, you know, I've heard it before and it makes sense. If you had the cure for cancer, mm -hmm. would you just sit in a little cave somewhere, uh, hidden from the world, knowing that you could be curing people and not go out and tell anybody? Or would yes. you just assume that because you have the cure for cancer, they're going to find your cave somewhere in the Himalayas or wherever it is, and they're going to have a beat a path to your door to get your cure for cancer? No, nobody's going to know you exist. If you're not visible to the world, if you're not that light, if you can't be a lighthouse so that the boats can find you, um, 
then what difference does it make how much you can help them? It, it's ridiculous to think that just because you exist or just because you're good at what you do or just because you have this amazing way to help people that mm -hmm. people are going to automatically find you. So if you don't make a deliberate attempt to mm -hmm. have people find you, then it, some people might say you're being selfish. You're keeping your cure for cancer and all your other benefits that you can help them with. Um, you're keeping that all hidden, all the other um, uh, things that you know that could help people. You're keeping it hidden and making them struggle mm -hmm. to find you, and, and chances are they never will find you. Now, I've been coaching for 17, I think almost 18 years. I'm not sure exactly when I started. Um, and I have had clients from certain ethnic groups or from certain countries where mm -hmm. it is really all about being humble, right? Like yeah. from Japan, from India, from there are certain cultures where it's all about being humble and not about bragging and not about saying how great you are. Now, I'm not saying people should walk around saying how great you are. I mean, nobody wants, you know, Donald Trump is somebody who walks around saying how great he is, right? That's mm -hmm. not what the average yeah. person wants. But that doesn't mean that you can't put what you know in the spotlight or a book you wrote that will help people in the spotlight or even you, if you have consulting services and you know you can help people. Mm -hmm. um, what's wrong with making a deliberate attempt so that people will know that Ashi Singal can help people with their LinkedIn. What is wrong with that? Because if you help somebody and that person makes money to feed their four children as a result, who have mm -hmm. you harmed? You don't have to walk around saying how great you are, but you can demonstrate, number one, that you exist and be visible, and number two, maybe how you can help them. Awesome. It's just mind-blowing. <laughs> you know, uh, this question is very common in branding domain where it demands you to come out of your shell and showcase yourself. And this uh, uh, conception which we have that, uh, no, uh, like coming out of this shell by myself and uh, presenting myself is kind of a bragging and showing off. So, it is a very contradictory with the fact of what branding demands actually. And as you said, it's so right that if you want to help, you have to become visible. Right? So, it's just like... But, but let yeah, me interrupt you for one second. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You have to become visible. But what you said that turns people off so much, the, the thing that makes people feel like you're being conceited or obnoxious or bragging or whatever... A lot of people, when they go online or, or not online, I mean, wherever it is that they're promoting themselves, all they do is talk about themselves, right? I, 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 I can do this. I'm passionate about that. I can have, you know, they're always talking about themselves. And I understand how that can be irritating or grating or not really that attractive or appealing to people. So what makes a lot more sense is to talk about you right, to, to uh, talk about your audience, to talk about the people that you help. So, um, you know, it doesn't, I agree with the people that are, that are saying, you know, you shouldn't walk around bragging. No, you should not walk around bragging because that is not going to attract people to you. Um, the thing is you should attract, not chase, right? If you're chasing people, they're going to run away from you. So you have to attract them, right? You have to, 
if you have a bottle of water and you chase people to try to sell your bottle of water, nobody's going to really want it. But if you stand there and you try to show people that they're thirsty, or you, or they're already thirsty, but and you're visible enough so that they see that you have the water, they're going to chase you and beg you to sell them that water. Same if I I try to be visible and credible and sparkle every time I appear in public, whether I'm speaking live on stage or they're reading my book or you know I or on a podcast like this one. Um, it's not about shoving myself down somebody else's throat and saying, "Look how great I am! Look how smart I am!" Look, no, it's about demonstrating. Number one, mm-hmm. that I can help you, and number two, about being visible enough that you can find me in the first place. Because Ashi, if if nobody is listening to our podcast, mm-hmm. then what's the point of you making the podcast? Right? You make it. Let's exactly. say it's great. Let's say you and I give great content, but if mm-hmm. you don't, then make the effort to make this podcast visible to people that it can help, then, you know, it's like that old saying, if a, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it still make a sound? Right. So well said. So well. I totally agree. It's about uh, your audience. It's about others, not you. And that's where the whole thing takes place. Right. So uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, like, uh, who can exactly step into the spotlight? I mean, uh, does a person has to be experienced or a student and undergraduate can also step into the spotlight? Um, anyone can step into the spotlight. Anyone. I have somebody in my LinkedIn group um, okay. who, uh, he was a student, I guess, he wanted to be an intern at, uh, oh, by the way, if you want to join the LinkedIn group, Ashi is also a member, you can go to www.spotlight. Yeah, sure dot biz b-i-z or z uh, spotlightgroup.biz so there's a guy in my group who wanted to get an internship with a magazine called gentleman's quarterly or gq so what he did and in fact it might have been in india i forget um but anyway he thought if he just puts in a regular application like every other student or like every other potential intern, it's going to sit on a pile with 200 other applications and it's never going to get him the job. So he was very creative and decided to step into the spotlight and he created uh, a mock-up version of a magazine cover. Uh, He put GQ on it and he used the same kind of layout like GQ uses, but he put himself on the cover and he made this little mini magazine he put his whole resume, his curriculum vitae, his CV, inside this magazine in a creative way, like articles about him, and he's on the cover. And he got the job. He got oh, the yeah, job. I remember. He, yeah. Uh, like, he not only got the job, but he got famous because he got a lot of publicity. And I read about him, and I invited him to join our Step Into the Spotlight group on LinkedIn. So that is a great example of how a student, I mean, my daughter, I took her to a marketing conference when she was 19. And ever since then, she's been stepping into the spotlight in a huge way. She's got her own group on Facebook. Um, she she has clients. She does what I do. She's a consultant. Um, and she started as a student. And even when she was in university, um, mm-hmm. she was tutoring other university students. She was writing ebooks. She was she stepped into the spotlight. Nice, nice. So it's just that you need to find that uh, spark or that ability. It will help you to step into the spotlight. And also, you have to get over this shyness or this reluctance, this embarrassment, because, you know, there are people who say 
that shyness is really a form of selfishness and self-absorption. We think that being shy is having humility, right? But right. Other, pe other people have said, no, no, no. Being shy means you're putting the whole attention on yourself because you're thinking, oh, well, I don't know about this, this uh, dress that I'm wearing. Um, I don't know if my hair looks good today. I don't know if I have anything smart to say. I, 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 I. You're thinking only about yourself and that people are looking at you and they care about how you look, how you sound, if you're smart. If you're not, the world is not only focused on you and caring about you. And some people think it's selfish to think that way. If you're thinking about helping others, if you see somebody at the side of the road needs help, who fell down, was hit by a car. Are you going to be thinking, oh, I'm too shy to help this person? I, 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 I. Or are you going to be thinking about the other person and forget that you're shy? Yeah, obviously about the other person. Yeah. So, um, you know, all of us have some kind of fear of rejection, including me, you know, all mm -hmm. of us, which is why we don't like to come on strong when we're selling and whatever. Some people don't mind, but I, I don't like to come on strong when I'm selling. I don't like to sell at all. I like to be visible and demonstrate that I'm good at what I do and let people approach me because then I don't have to try to impress them. Perfect. That's the bottom line. Yeah, perfect. Exactly. So, uh, like, uh, what role does a community play in stepping into the spotlight? I mean, you have this amazing community on LinkedIn, uh, through the LinkedIn group about which we will uh, discuss uh, in a few moments. So what exactly, like off LinkedIn, other than LinkedIn, in the real world also, what role exactly does a community play in that? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, t I'll give you a story that actually I share in my Step Into the Spotlight book as well. So sure. um, I, you, 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 Ashley's going uh, has read you my bio uh, mm -hmm. and introduction. And so you notice that I released a music CD. I'm a singer also. And I started yeah. learning about marketing as a singer. So yeah. I was singing once at this little cafe. And mm -hmm. I thought that my only role there is to be a good singer. So I put mm -hmm. all my energy and attention into, you know, making sure my voice was warmed up, making sure I have good songs, making sure I have good interaction with the audience, and I'm funny, and I'm good, and all of my attention was focused on my performance and being good. Mm -hmm. But I made one mistake, and mm -hmm. that was assuming that if I'm good, it's just like you asked me in your earlier question, that if I'm mm -hmm. good, that will mean that people will show up. Well, what has one got to do with the other? If I'm sitting in a cafe singing really well and being funny and engaging with the audience, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that there's an audience to begin with. How are they going to get in that cafe? How are they in, the, in that nightclub? How are they going to arrive there if nobody knows I exist right. or if they don't know the cafe exists? So I assumed that the owner of the little club would fill the audience and I just had to show up and be a good singer. And she said to me afterwards, no, Sufit, bring your own fan, you know. Um, and, and that's the cafe relies on the singers to have a community. That's answering your question now. To have a community of fans, of followers, a fan club, who anytime that person goes out and sings somewhere or performs mm -hmm. somewhere, those people will follow them around and, um, and be there in the audience and also buy you know, whatever that cafe or that nightclub is selling, right? So, and that's yeah. why 
you know, um, when you want to perform in a theater or in a nightclub or anywhere, yeah, maybe they'll look at how good a singer or performer you are. But what's more interesting to the people presenting it is whether you can attract people to come sit in those seats, right? In, ho mm -hmm. in the hotel industry, they call it heads in beds. In the music mm -hmm. industry, they call it bums in seats. Like they okay. want people to show up to your right. performance. And so having a community of fans who will follow you wherever you go um, mm -hmm. is great. Now, they might not just be a community of fans. It might be a community. I mean, that's in the singing and acting and, you know, world. Like, you know that, um, you know, Jennifer Lopez, my daughter just went to see Jennifer Lopez. and The tickets were very expensive, a couple hundred dollars minimum. Um, mm -hmm. And wh how can they charge that? Because they know that she is a big draw that she will attract, you know, tens of thousands of people. If somebody unknown was there, they could be just as good a singer or maybe even better, nobody would show up and it wouldn't be commercially viable. So in one sense, that's having a community of fans. The community that I've built on LinkedIn, which you said we'll talk about in a minute, is not mm -hmm. just a community of my fans, although, you know, there are many there. It's a community also of my colleagues. And I did that strategically uh, on LinkedIn, there's two different kinds of groups. One is just where you just bring all your fans in one place, and it's like fishing in a pond where you stock the pond with fish, and then the big guru goes fishing from those fish, and that feeds their business. I chose instead to build a community not only of my fans and my prospects, but also of other experts, other entrepreneurs, other leaders, other influencers, um, so that it would be a destination that people would want to go to, not just if they're interested in my step into the spotlight message, but if they're interested in the related message, it has to be relevant, of the other, um, uh, you know, mentors and experts and authors that I have also invited into the group. I agree. So, like, uh, uh, I, I especially want to tell this to my listeners that... Uh, do check out the LinkedIn group, uh, Stepping into the Spotlight. Step into just the spotlight. Step, step into the spotlight. Yeah. Just step, step yeah. into the spotlight. I'll attach the link of the group in the episode's description. In my two years journey of LinkedIn, I haven't seen any LinkedIn group that much active. And Sufi has been doing a commendable job by keeping that group active. And, uh, you know, Sufi, last episode of this uh, podcast was all about LinkedIn groups. So even after uh, that group, like that episode in which I uh, explained about LinkedIn groups, I got so many queries asking that, actually, we don't find any genuineness or, you know, any usefulness in the LinkedIn groups. So why should we join it? So it's especially for all those people that you will get your every answer once you join this step into the spotlight group. So do check it out. I'll attach the link in the episode's description. And this is where you will actually realize the power of community and the power of conversations. Right. Thank so, you. yeah. Yeah, it is amazing. So this brings me to the next question. Like, Sufit, how and when did you get this idea of creating this amazing group on LinkedIn? Okay. So um, I was sitting around on New Year's Day, January 1st, uh, about six and a half years ago just sitting at my desk, and I know that's day, usually a holiday for most people, but I was sitting there thinking about the year and what am I going to do differently this year? Mm -hmm. And and I just sort of, I'm a person of action. When I think of something, I just do it right away. And I said, you know, I want to build a community. And, you know, there were um, 
self-serving reasons, let's say, and I don't say that in a bad way, but, you know, obviously there were reasons for me that would help me build my business, I thought. And I thought, you know, maybe down the line, if I build a really large community, it will attract potential sponsors, right? So that people will want to sponsor my book, my community, my step into the spotlight message, because there are a lot of companies that um, want to access entrepreneurs and small business owners. And if I have a big community of them, then maybe through me, they will want to access them and they'll want to sponsor what I do. So that was kind of one of the vague thoughts. And I just thought also it would be nice to build visibility that way and also build a community. So I'm sitting there on January 1st trying to think what to do. And just sort of by uh, spontaneously, I created mm -hmm. this group uh, on LinkedIn. And I remember working very, very hard to get it to 100 members, right? Inviting people that I knew, uh, clients, um, and people on LinkedIn that I thought were interesting. Um, we just hit 10,000 uh, about a week ago. Um, right. And uh, now, I would like to say that it grew by itself um, because I, I, but that's not true. <laughs> I would like to say it, but it's not the truth. Um, okay, yeah. At, when I was starting my group, I spoke to a guy who had about 20,000 in his group. And he told me, when you get to about 1,000 or 2,000, it starts to grow by itself. People invite other people. You know what? I kept waiting for that to happen when I got to 1,000, when I got to 2,000, when I got to 5,000, when I got to 10,000. It's not growing by itself. Um, maybe it happens for other groups. I think part of the reason that it doesn't grow by itself is LinkedIn has changed. First of all, it was acquired by Microsoft, but even before that, it changed very much its notification system, and a lot of the systems that would have helped it grow organically, um, mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't do that so much anymore, right? Um, so I have to be very deliberate. I have been from day one until today very mm -hmm. deliberate about inviting very cool people to join the group, whether they're active entrepreneurs, influencers, mentors, media people, authors, or just people who want to learn about things, right? Yeah. Um, so I invite people to the group. I encourage other group members to invite people into the group. And when I made this group, I was very deliberate about a few things. One, I already explained to you. I decided um, not to do what many of my friends and colleagues have done. Uh, what they did was they created a group around they're the expert, and they invited a bunch of people who want to learn from the expert, which makes a lot of sense, really, from their point of view. And from it makes a lot of sense because they can keep going to that pond and fishing in that pond and have, you know, potential prospects ripening in that pond, um, maturing in that pond until they're ready to hire that guru or consultant. So that's great. And maybe they get more clients from their group. I don't know. I decided to do a second choice, which was to invite all my competitors, even though I don't really think I have competitors, but people who do what I do, so that when prospects come or when entrepreneurs come to the group, they not only learn from me, but they learn from everybody else. And the other thing is, I made it so that it's not a group where we just post content. In fact, we don't even allow people to post right. articles or blog posts or rants or statements or inspirational quotes or things like that. No, we only allow people to post questions, questions, engaging, short, one-line questions about marketing, 
about publicity, about speaking in public, about attracting clients, about writing a book, about social media, about influence, about advertising, about anything to do with how do you step into the spotlight? How do you become visible? How do you become credible? How do you get seen? How do you get heard? How do you get noticed? How do you get known? Those are the questions that people ask. And we answer each other. And we support each other and we help each other step into the spotlight. So you'll see very often in the group, once I get to know the members, if one member asks a question, I'll tag 10 other members that I know that might be able to answer that question. And I exactly. do it because I want the group to, you know, be dynamic and I want people to help each other. Right. Definitely. Like, this is one of the ways, like, I have uh, one of the groups on LinkedIn as well. It's a Demystify Ally. Uh, so there also, like, it's all about engagement. And I like this way of yours, like, you know, just uh, uh, tagging particular people who can help that guy uh, with the, that question. So it's a nice way. I'll definitely uh, implement this in my group as well. Also, like, uh, one of the uh, best things which I found in this group was uh, that People are, uh, you know, people are themselves very uh, engaging. Like they don't need a push or something, but everyone there is so eager to help or contribute uh, their knowledge in whichever way they can. And this is something which really hit me up that, oh, wow, this is great. Like there is no direct, uh, you know, uh, intention or something. People are here gen genuinely to help. And, you know, as you said, that deliberate efforts to get prospects or whatever, that is something which comes secondary. But still, the way people help is really good. And again, guys, uh, I'll say this, that do join this group. Uh, you will get to learn so many things around so many domains from so many experts. So definitely check out the group link, which is in the episode description. So, and by the yeah. way, Ashi, Ashi, I just want to say one more thing about the, about one more thing I was deliberate about. One thing I was very deliberate about in this group was the kind of people that I chose to invite. So one might think, um, so one group of people that I was very deliberate about inviting were mm -hmm. people that I call big mouths. Big mouths. Mm -hmm. Now some people might find that offensive, right? You might criticize somebody and say, oh, you're just a big mouth, right? But oh, I don't yeah. say it in an offensive way. I invited big mouse, which means highly opinionated people who are not afraid to share their opinion. So we have a lot of controversy in my group, too. We don't always agree with each other. Now, when it gets heated, I make sure that it doesn't get nasty. If occasionally people start to be rude, then we tell them, stop it or we'll kick you out of the group, right? Because we yeah. don't want anybody to be rude. But right. as long as they're being polite and respectful, we encourage people to disagree. It's much more interesting when people disagree than when they agree. A lot of groups, somebody will post something and 900 people will say, yes, I agree, I agree, like, 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 I agree. Well, nobody's learning anything from, I mean, you learn a little bit, but you learn more when you can hear two sides of a story. Now, maybe that's because I was a lawyer and I was a litigation lawyer. So as a lawyer and a litigation lawyer is the one who goes to court and, you know, argues about stuff. That's how courts decide which party is right and which party is wrong. They they ask representatives of both sides of an issue 
to come mm-hmm. and advocate for that side of the issue, and then the judge can hear both sides and is in a better position to understand and make a decision. Same thing in right. our group. I deliberately invited opinionated big mouth people so that mm-hmm. they would um, make their opinion known and they would not be shy or afraid to disagree. The other thing is, a lot mm-hmm. of people would think that I would only invite people who post a lot, right? Well, mm-hmm. my my deliberate um, strategy was different than that. I did not give a preference to people who post a lot of posts. I gave deliberate preference to people who posted comments on other people's posts. So mm-hmm. I think that if, if you ask me who's the more valuable member, the one who posts a post, now I do encourage people to post, but much more valuable is the one who's commenting on other people's posts. So I tell people before you post in our group, I want you to go comment on four or five other people's posts first. So people yeah. get to know you, so you're contributing, you know, you're adding value to the group. And then when you post, people are more likely to interact with your post. I have seen that. Like, uh, I also got the message from you. And it was, uh, uh, as I said, there were some things about this group which were very rare, which I haven't found in any other LinkedIn groups. So it is uh, really the, you know, these are small things are the main reason why this group is so much valuable. Uh, it's just amazing. And uh, I am definitely, uh, you know, taking my notes from this so, so that I can also, uh, you know, incorporate those things in my group also. And so, actually, uh, I can give you one more thing if you like. One more yeah, thing that I yeah, do sure, very sure. deliberately with this group. Um, I, I made a narrow topic for this group, right? The topic is step into the spotlight. How do you get seen, get heard, get noticed, get known? Narrow topic. It's not just a marketing group. It's not just an entrepreneur group. It's not just a small business group. It's about one narrow aspect of being an entrepreneur, one narrow aspect of being uh, a small business owner or professional, right? It's about the marketing aspect. So when somebody somebody, uh, posts something that's kind of general, you know, Mm -hmm. about business or entrepreneurship, or sometimes not even, like sometimes people will host uh, post something about a good diet or exercising right. for good health. Well, we polite. Well, we delete those, and we politely send a note to the person um, saying, "You know what? I just want to remind you that the topic of our group is about marketing or speaking or writing a book or how to be visible, how to be credible, how to attract clients." We tell them what the group is about, and it's not about anything else. So if you start posting about things that are not relevant to this group, like you're a realtor and you start posting about, you know, selling a house, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be deleted. And eventually my moderator is going to kick you out of the group. Now, we don't do that. I don't like kicking anybody out of the group. And I was the sole moderator for the first six years of this group, except for a couple of times when I was traveling, I asked other members of the group to moderate for me while I was away. Only recently, I was away in uh, for a couple of months, and the moderator that I asked that time was very kind, and she said, you know, even when you get back, um, I wouldn't mind staying on as a moderator to help you out. And at first, I said, well, let's see when I get back, because it was very hard for me. I'm very um, deliberate about how I moderate, and I'm, I don't always 
enforce my rules as strictly as another moderator would. I'm a little bit more artistic than scientific about it. Um, mm -hmm. So I was afraid to hand over the reins to somebody else to moderate. But she did a good job while I was away. And when she wasn't sure, she asked me. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, so I did accept when I got back. I did accept her help. And it's great because I was just away for you know, two, three days at a cottage and she, you know, completely takes over or if I'm just doing something else, it's nice to have somebody else uh, helping out with that. Yeah, it's great. It's doing great and I am looking forward to uh, add more value to it. So, yeah, like uh, one question which always pops in my mind is like uh, people don't uh, value LinkedIn groups and there are some valid reasons behind it. Uh, what, in your opinion, is the main reason behind, like, LinkedIn groups are underrated? Why is it so, according to you? Well, I, I, I think the reason that recently people are, are saying that LinkedIn groups don't offer value is because mm -hmm. many LinkedIn groups, I'm a member right now of 102 or 103 LinkedIn groups, and I don't know how that's possible because the limit is 100. Uh, actually, I, I think I got out of two or three of them, so maybe now I'm at 100. But I was, for a while, even up to 105. I don't know how they let me, but they did. And most of those groups, every once in a while, I'll pop into every single group and post something or comment on something and try, try to see what's going on there. Most of the groups, what's going on there? Nothing. Either nobody's talking to anybody, and I see my last post from three months ago is still at the top, right? Because nobody's posting. Either that or there are, you know, 10, 20, 100 posts in a day, but nobody's talking to anybody. So people are posting one way, they're broadcasting, the thing that we don't allow in our group. They're talking one way about, look, I have a teleseminar tomorrow. Look, I'm speaking here. Look, I have this great product. Look, I'm a great realtor, right? But nobody is commenting. And so those groups are not of any value to anybody. People think they're valuable because they get to put up a bulletin board somewhere. They get to put up a billboard somewhere. But if, if you have 300,000 people in a group and you put up a billboard, what makes you think anybody's seeing that billboard? I'd rather be in a group of 10 people talking to each other than 100,000 people who are talking at each other, but nobody's listening. So I think that's one of the reasons. I think the other reason... Mm -hmm. that people are, are losing faith in them is because the notification system keeps being downgraded. It was working really well for a while. But now, mm -hmm. even in my own group, I don't often get notifications when people comment. So the only way I know that people have commented is I have mm -hmm. to go back to old discussions and look through them and see if there's something I haven't seen, which is very time-consuming. And because we can no longer search in groups. Uh, about a year ago, we could. They took the, away the search function. Hopefully, they'll bring it back, but they haven't yet. And we can no longer pin posts to the top, which we used to be able to do. I used to have um, a post that said, introduce yourself here. It had four or 500 comments, but now it's disappeared. I can't find it with the search function. And even if I could, nobody's ever going to see it. I can't pin it to the top like I used to. So I think part of it is the fault of LinkedIn who is taking away functions that could help us. And part of it is just that people are not actively engaging in those groups, which is why when they come to our Step Into the Spotlight group, they're so relieved 
because they're finding a group where people are actively talking to each other every single day. And what I've told people to do, because LinkedIn is not sending notifications as much as they should, or maybe even at all, um, mm -hmm. I tell them, group members, I give them this forward that I created, spotlightgroup.biz, B-I-Z, and I tell them, Put that on your desktop, write it on a piece of paper, and come in our group every single day. We have people in there four or five, ten times a day, the same people, um, who yeah. come in every day to see what people are talking about. But um, you notice what I did there. Spotlightgroup.biz was not given to me by LinkedIn. I went to GoDaddy, or you can go anywhere and buy a, a URL, a short one, with your branding in it, Spotlight is my branding, step into the spotlight. I could have said step into the spotlightgroup.biz, but that's a longer name. I could have said spotlightgroup.com, but it wasn't available. So I thought biz, business, at works. And instead of saying www.linkedin uh, forward slash group forward slash 484, whatever my number is, right? It's about a six, seven digit number, which nobody can remember and it's not easy to remember or to type. I got this, and this is another strategy for group owners, I got this short URL, www.spotlightgroup.biz, and I forwarded my uh, group, uh, sorry, I forwarded that URL to my group. So if you type in that URL, it takes you to the actual LinkedIn group. The same thing I did with my book on Amazon, right? If you go to Amazon.com, and you look for my step into the spotlight group, maybe you'll find it, maybe you won't. So I bought a URL from GoDaddy, spotlightbook.com. So anybody who wants to read the step into the spotlight book, all they have to do is go to www.spotlightbook.com and they will find it. I did the same thing. I have these 11 free tips that I send to people about how to introduce yourself in just 30 seconds, which is very important for your LinkedIn listeners. Um, and I bought the URL www.spotlightsecrets.com, spotlightsecrets with an S at the end, .com. So you see, instead of this big, long, you know, tsufit.com forward slash blah, 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 you know, people do go to tsufit.com, but mm -hmm. what if they don't know how to spell tsufit.com? What if they don't know how to spell it? If I say spotlightsecrets.com, spotlightbook.com, spotlightgroup.biz. You see how it all has my, um, you know, uh, spotlightblog.com or whatever. It all has my branding, number one. And number two, it's very easy to say on a radio interview, on a podcast interview, in an article. And it's very easy for me to remember and for them to remember. So that's another strategy that group owners can use. Effective one. Like I, I'm sure, like the group owners who are listening to this episode, they'll find it useful. I'm, and at least it's worth a try. I mean, it will gain traction. Uh, it will let them uh, people engage in their groups as well. It's good. Um, also, like uh, Sufit, so you have been using LinkedIn since long, right? So, uh, if you have to give just uh, one tip, and with it, uh, I'll end my questions here. So, like, what will be the one tip you would like to give to people who are newbies on LinkedIn or who are just starting out or who are struggling to find the right ways to leverage LinkedIn? Okay. Um, don't, my, my big tip is don't be boring. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't use your quote unquote professional voice too much. Use your own 
voice. Use your authentic voice. Don't be afraid to use humor. Don't be afraid yeah. to use color. Don't be afraid to speak the way people speak to their best friend at 10 o'clock at night on the phone instead mm -hmm. of this professional manner. Now, I'm not saying you should say inappropriate things, and many people do say inappropriate things on LinkedIn. I'm not saying, you know, a lot of people on LinkedIn say, well, we're not Facebook, right? Because they yeah. see Facebook as this, you know, and, you know, where you share your cat videos, right? And I agree, right. you know, don't share your cat videos on LinkedIn. It should be relevant. It should be mm -hmm. professional in that it's respectful and it's on topic, right? Um, like, right. but it should not be boring. And I think, you know, the, the, I have been on LinkedIn a long, long time, but I was not active on LinkedIn until I had a client who wanted to be active on LinkedIn. And I thought, okay. you know, the mentor always has to be two, three steps ahead of a client. So when she wanted to do it, I had to kind of do it for myself so I would know more touch, more stuff to teach her. And I started to build my network. I think right now it's about 11,000 um, people uh, or followers or connections in my network. Um, but it's not about numbers. It's about how engaged I am with those people. Now, I don't know every single person in that network, but I do make an attempt to get to know them. And I've met a few of them for lunch when they're traveling into this country. I've spoken to them on the phone and, right. you know, I do know, you know, which member plays the saxophone and which member likes birds, you know. Um, okay. So that's another, another tip. I love it. Like, uh, uh, this is uh, also another uh, dilemma people face is like LinkedIn is professional network, so you have to be professional. And they forget that professionals are also human. So they have to right. show their human side, their personalized yeah. content, their flair, their personality, right? right. So it's exactly. it's definitely a lovely tip. So uh, amazing. Like, I mean, I have got so many tips. Like the way you are uh, building a community on LinkedIn is just amazing. It's inspiring, in fact. And I am looking forward to contribute more and more in this uh, group, step into the spotlight. So, Sufi, thank you so very much for being my first guest on Demystifying LinkedIn. It's really my pleasure. A lot. I'm honored. I'm honored to be your first guest, Ashi. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much guys for tuning in and listening to this conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Do check out the group link which I mentioned that step into the spotlight. Uh, the group link is in the episode's description. And do become a part of this community to experience the real power of how communities work. Also subscribe to Demystifying LinkedIn which is present on all major podcasting platforms so that you don't miss any new demystification about LinkedIn. And it would mean a lot to me if you share this episode among your social media channels. With that, I sign off. See you all in the next episode of Demystifying LinkedIn with some new tips to leverage LinkedIn. Till then, keep demystifying.